All right. We got a winner. Oh, we got a winner. We got a winner. Racing at Gulfstream. And here we go. It's been another week in racing. It's time to recap it. And who better to do it than Michael New Magic? Two bros slash pros who cover the highs and lows of racing around the globe on every one of the shows. Real fans look forward to these guys and their last thoughts because they know they're not talking out of their royal ascot. What they say makes sense. So ladies and gents, sit back and relax as Blinkers Off presents The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week The Magic Mike Show You can trust the show is the bomb Because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com What's up everybody, I'm Magic And I'm Mike And this is the Magic Mike Show, episode 332 Mr. Samich Huzzah! Oh boy, we are, uh, we're going live a little early today uh, 10 a.m. here on the uh, West Coast I just got back from dropping my son off at daycare And I'm like, alright, time to podcast, let's get going Let's do How it you baby, today? let's do it I'm I'm great, man. I'm great. And the reason we're doing this early, and I'm so excited about this. I'm I, have I have Spider-Man tickets for today, so we had to, we had to do this early so that we can uh, we can get that done before we take off for for the Christmas holiday here. So uh, I'm pumped, man. Getting to go see that movie. And, like everything I've seen is it's just like incredible, just exceptional. I have not been I'm spoiler free so far, but it supposedly is just an exceptional movie. So I can't wait. I'm glad you're spoiler free. Michael Myers spoiled it for me. He told me Batman dies in it. And I was like, great. Thanks a oh, lot. Again? I know. Batman, <laughs> Batman just dying in everything these days. <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, I'm probably going to have to wait a week. Um, probably be, uh, probably Tuesday next week because we'll have the in-laws here for a week for the holidays, which is great. Um, but we'll probably go like a Tuesday matinee because uh, uh, things are a little crazy in Los Angeles with the variant right now. So we're trying to not be out in public as much as possible. But Tuesday early matinee a week after it's out matrix comes out you know by that point too so hopefully the matrix can take away some attention uh but I'm very excited for you to be able to see it I know you're gonna did you see by the way it had the third largest opening worldwide in history during a pandemic the numbers, <laughs> the numbers are ridiculous it's like I, it was 50 something million overnight I think it was 350 million internationally like uh 258 million uh domestically like insane numbers I mean just insane numbers oh yeah. It's, that's and and all the reviews I'm hearing, uh, the non-spoiler ones, are people saying it's amazing, it's incredible. They landed it, and I was so nervous yeah. about this, like I was for Endgame. It's like, are they going to stick the landing? It's going to be really hard, uh, but apparently they did it. So I'm excited for you to be able to see it. What time do you get to see it tonight? Uh, 4:15 show, and we're doing the like one of my favorite things, favorite inventions of the last like 10 years. Like the Red Zone Channel is number one. I'm sorry, it's, it's not, it's undefeated. <laughs> like uh, dining theaters right mm. up there right up there like probably top five then not number two probably top five i'm not sure what number two is so don't ask but I, it's definitely in the top five for me on the dying theater side because a it means i can get my wife to go to movies with me really easily because she's like cool i get a bottle of wine and some food yeah i'll watch it no problem um and b you get these huge recliners so it's just super comfortable and then you don't have the massive theaters because the one thing i didn't like was like going and seeing a movie with you know 200 of my closest friends in there like some people love that atmosphere for me, I'm like, I just want to kind of go and enjoy the movie because I'm not a like Thursday night at midnight kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So I uh, I I did that once with where I went full out. Um, I think I told this story on here before, but uh, the f- old house we lived at when, we, when I first moved out to Los Angeles was full of college uh, grad students like my wife in the film program, and so we our house would occasionally get used as like a student film center. Uh, and so one time to get me out of the house to so they could film in our bedroom because that's usually where I would hide. 
Ooh, while they boy. were filming is my uh, our, one of our roommates was like they had a budget and they were like go to see a movie I'll pay for your ticket your food and bring your uh, there was another guy that lived in the house uh, too he's like the two of you go and I'll, I'll pay for everything so I heard that and went I'm going to the dining movie theater and the Wolf of Wall Street had just come out which nice. is like a little over three hour movie and I was like yeah. hey man you want to go chill for like five hours in air conditioning so we went <laughs> early had a couple of beers in the bar Got buzzed, saw the movie, uh, unlimited popcorn, went with the full dinner, took desserts home, had a few beers during the movie. And then I left with the bill and handed it to my friend. And I was a little nervous. I was like, here's a $150 t- bill for me going to see for the Wolf of Wall Street. Uh, and she just literally handed me the cash because I had $200 budget. And I was like, damn, I knew we should have gotten a second dessert. <laughs> Where's the shots? Come on. <laughs> but yes, it's, it's, it's a great experience. Just don't go for a short movie because no. you really want to be able to enjoy like the relaxing plus now as a father i can understand you're getting away for three hours to just relax childless yeah it's pretty incredible it's pretty incredible <laughs> I, I and i'm not as big of a fan of the i think it's the 40 theaters have you done that yet where they have so there's speakers and there's holes in your chair and everything so like mm. if on screen i saw jurassic park the new jurassic park in it if on screen so like there's this this thing where like they're in a hamster ball or something i can't remember but they're going really fast mm-hmm. and there's like there's wind shooting out behind your head so you feel these like these different parts of the wind and they have smells that pump in if there's certain smells and like there's mist that comes out of your chair it's kind of crazy man it sounds yeah. like the uh it's tough to be a bug experience at, at disney world at animal kingdom uh i don't know that i'd like that for an actual movie you do that at disney when you go knowing what that's going to be like i guess if yeah. i knew like the specific situation like a specific movie maybe it could work out but not not the first time you see this movie yeah no that'd be kind of kind of funky it's uh, there's one downtown la if you ever want to do it it's right by staples oh, oh i know exactly what you're talking about yeah i've been there before not into that specific one but i know what you're talking about so obviously spider-man isn't going to be the best thing you saw because you haven't seen it yet but what is the best thing you saw this weekend uh, the, the nfl chaos is incredible right now i mean it is just so much fun yeah i mean the lions screwing themselves over just like just like they could now that they've got their one win they just got to shut it down and instead the Jacksonville, great weekend for Jacksonville. Great week. You get rid yeah. of Urban Meyer, and now you're in line for the number one pick because you lost to the other terrible team, and the Lions pulled off a win somehow. So, a uh, wonderful week for them. The Lions out there spoiling the really bad, good teams in football all year. You guys tied Pittsburgh, who was a bad, good team, and now you've uh, beaten the Falcons, or I'm sorry, the, the Cardinals, who are the other bad, good team in my mind. So, uh, yeah, it's it's been good for you. Now you got to win. The- You've called the Cardinals the Paper Tigers before, uh, but you really didn't like them this year. You thought their their record was. It was kind of like the Steelers last year. Remember the Steelers were what they like eleven and zero or something. And I kept telling, I was like, I kept telling everybody, this is a bad team. This is not a good team. And then finally at the end, yeah, the wheels fell off pretty bad. I got a big night for my my division bets. I have Cleveland to win the division. I've got the Rams to win the division. Ooh. If they both win tonight, we're looking a lot better than we were two weeks ago. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> Well, you got actually the Rams play tomorrow night. You have to wait one more night. Yeah, that's right, because they play Tuesday. Um, Still, which is great. Now you got football on Tuesday, too. Um, Yeah, I can't explain the Lions thing. That is not the best thing that I saw, however, because the best thing that I saw is motherfucking Jorge Navarro got maximum sentence. That was the best thing that could have happened. Um, Five years was the max? Five years was the max because he took a plea deal. He he pled guilty to one count uh, and a couple other smaller things. So. Five years was the max, but he goes February, uh, where some people are like, oh, great, he gets to spend the holidays at home. I've met his wife a couple of times. I feel like I probably would have rather started jail a couple early, months early than be under house arrest with her. Uh, that's just me personally. But uh, very, very <laughs> happy to see that he got the max and the judge didn't. Like, his attorneys tried only going for four years. 
when five was the max because they knew he was pretty screwed. So yeah. the judge, like there's the Thoroughbred Daily News did a great article where they quoted the judge, but uh, I don't remember the exact words, but the judge just basically laid into him was like, you're full of shit. Nobody believes you. You did this to purpose to kill and harm animals. And all those tears you cried are bullshit. Get out of my courtroom. So I was just, I was like, oh, especially all the stuff that we see with Baffert and Miller and all the other, you know, trainers we think are drugging to actually see somebody get real punishment like this. This is like the first big step or the next big step, I should say, to uh, hopefully fixing the sport. Uh, you'd hope so. I mean, I heard he got fined by Monmouth for $250 over the weekend for the same crimes as well. <laughs> there was, by the way, uh, Jeremy Balin tweeted about it, but the the, the supporting documents, because apparently there were all these owners and former trainers, of blah, 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 who were you know supporting Jorge Navarro that wrote documents trying to you know show his character. One of them talked about how his assistants rescued a goat that had been left behind at Monmouth and how that was Jorge showing great character because he would occasionally ask about the goat years later that okay that's your character assessment when his trainers were doing all the work to get the goat rescued not okay yeah see this is how bad everything was with this guy so if that's your your like plus character assessment you got some problems my man like like the fact that it's like this one time he asked about a goat three times they did nothing for that is uh, that's not a very good sign no, but it is a good sign that he's getting uh, the, the max five years. His attorney kept saying, like, well, don't give him five years because he might get deported afterwards. Don't get my hopes up. Don't get me too excited <laughs> about things. Uh, we will put a little wet blanket on things because we get to talk about Remington Springboard Mile. I don't know that we saw a Derby Chill horse there, but uh, we'll talk about that race. And we're going to go over the Gulfstream Park, pick four tickets that we did because it also kind of works in the greatest stakes action because this was the prep week for Pegasus weekend. So a lot to think about, a lot to, to consider moving forward. So let's get into it, Mike. Riders up. Let's take a look first. Friday night at Remington Park, their closing night, which I know overall you had yourself a good night at Remington. Uh, it's a good thing that we didn't go with Chris Miles' suggestion and do the pick four here because it was a little bit chalky uh, to end things, and that includes Make It Big, the 6-5 to five favorite, winning the Springboard Mile. Ten points on the Kentucky Derby Trail. This is a Florida bred who looked pretty good against other Florida breds at Gulfstream in two starts. Comes to your face as open company, but 84 buyer for him, 83 for the runner-up Osborne. I don't know that I really saw anything here to get me too excited about the trail next year. Did you? Uh, not really. Um, I, you know, make it bit. It, it was interesting. Jose Ortiz wins all three stakes. Uh, so three <laughs> yeah. of the four legs of the pick four, the only three he rode, he won. Uh, so good night for Jose up there, just cleaning up. Yeah, I really wasn't that interested in make it big. I mean, if I took anybody out of this race, it would be Osborne. Um, just because I thought the trip wasn't wonderful. Um, I think there's still some more upside there for that horse. Make it big. I mean, this is now three for three. Went off the favorite here. Look good in winning, but not a horse I think has a ton of upside and is going to move forward aggressively like you would need to to be able to compete. My guess is we're going to see him down in Florida. Um, you're going like this is a Safi horse who won his both of his first two starts at Gulfstream. Probably going to see him down um, in the was the Fountain of Youth I think first and then head down there. But I don't see how this horse ends up really playing any any major role uh, long term in the Derby. Osborne's interesting to me just because it, like there was a nice step forward first to second. I'm sorry, from the second second effort where he won up to this effort. And I think the distance is going to be better for him. So I think he's going to want to stretch out out of a rock-hard 10 mare. So maybe getting a little more extra distance makes Osborne a little bit better. But I, like, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I mean, where do you, like, is this maybe a Louisiana 
type horse, right? Well, Osborne's he's with Moquette, so he's going to go to Oaklawn. Um, I would expect Smarty Jones is on January first, so not that one. The next one will be the Southwest. So uh, the Grade Three Southwest Stakes is probably where you see him. Um, I think he's going to be, uh, you know, I think you're going to see this horse a lot. I think he's pretty good to hit the board in a lot of these races, but make it big. I actually, I'm going to guess that he goes to Tampa because Safi's got a couple of other horses that are not Florida breds, uh, who are starting to get going. And, and it looks like he's going to, he has big hopes for them as three-year-olds. So, um, make it big could fight if he could sneak his way onto the Derby trail at Tampa. I don't think he's good enough to win anything at Gulfstream, but he's good enough to hit the board with Sam F Davis. Maybe the Tampa Bay Derby, he can hit the board. Uh, but, yeah, as far as moving forward, maybe Osborne. Other than that, toss everybody. Bye-bye Bobby was weird. He closed from way off the pace, going six furlongs in his debut, and he wins. Here, he's rank as all can be. Finally, they get him to calm down, and he's completely out of gas. Bye-bye Bobby was Aaron's pick in this race. Uh, did you do you want to scratch this off and play him again? Do you Were you never interested in this horse? I never was really that interested in the horse, but... How often do you see Todd Fincher with an $870,000 horse in his barn, though? So you got to, you know, the, I'm probably going to give this horse another shot, but I, the, it's going to have to be against the right field, right? I mean, to me, it, it's just, he, he, it's tough to take very much out of this, right? Because the horse clearly was had no interest in running that day. And so, like, to then hold this against Bye Bye Bobby and say, oh, he's awful is not the right move either. But, you know, you got to demand value when you get, get him back. Like, if, if you're getting sub 10 to 1 in a field where it's going to be a prep, like I have absolutely no interest in the horse, right? If you're getting, um, if you're getting fifteen to one, then yeah, the talent is there. Maybe you can get it back at a price, and then it's it's a little bit more worthwhile. That classic moment was a little interesting too. Just a really weird trip. You'll note was actually even first at the first mm -hmm. call, um, and then falls all the way back to last by by the six furlong mark, and then rallies up for for fourth in the end. Um, and that horse had shown some some talent uh, for Steve Ashton breaking his maiden at Churchill after running well at Keeneland. So. I wouldn't completely disregard classic moment either because it was such a weird trip. Um, but yeah, this is not a this is not a gangbuster race. And as Steve just mentioned in the chat, I mean they went 141. They weren't exactly flying out there either. There was that, and then I'll also credit Jay Pribbin for for putting this in his write up. But he's I think you can get a clue as to what he beat. Uh, be, make it big because this is a Derby points prep race, and you don't earn Derby points if you run on Lasix. The third and fourth place finishers both were on Lasix, and Bye Bye Bobby was on Lasix, who a lot of people liked in this race. So the fact that a lot over half the horses in this field weren't even eligible for derby points, I think this was probably not that great of a derby prep. A great paycheck, $400,000 you know, purse, but uh, probably nothing to see in this spot. That's an interesting handicapping angle, too. Uh, if you just box the two logical horses without Lasix, you would hit the exacta. Actually, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So that, that might be something to uh, to look at moving forward in these races. Is if if they are you're not getting Derby points if you're on Lasix. Look who's not on Lasix is the horses that you you may want to lean toward. Let's head over to Gulfstream Park now for Saturday's racing. And, and uh, uh, the fifth race, while I pulled up here, was the Grade Three Suwannee River Stakes, which is a prep for what is now going to be the Pegasus World Cup Philly Mare Turf. It used to be called the Marshua's River. Uh, which is why it's already graded. But uh, a big pace advantage here on paper, I thought, for Shifty She, for Safi Joseph Jr. And she got that big pace advantage uh, over three lengths ahead at, at different points of call. And somehow she lost this. I don't understand quite how she managed to lose this race. And the fact that she did, Mike, I, I don't know if I want anything to do with Shifty She moving forward. Um, Sweet Melania was a good effort there. But tell me what you thought about this race. 
I mean, I thought it was a pretty impressive race, to be honest, from Sweet Melania. I mean, they, they, they were hustling. They went 134 for this mile. Now, the timing is all off in this race. You're going to see there's no incremental fractions, which is awfully frustrating as someone who cares a lot about incremental fractions. Um, but I was a little worried about Shifty She when she was three and a half lengths ahead at the half mile pole. I, I don't always want a horse to be three and a half lengths ahead. I, I want to be kind of more of a measured length and a half, two lengths. And a lot of times when you see that type of lead, it means the horse is going to come back a little bit. And Salim Melania ran really, really well sitting right behind Shifty She here. I, I think if you also look at the – if you just look at kind of the rest of the field, you didn't have a ton of horses making up ground. Um, it, it was generally the horses that were forwardly placed that kind of stayed up there. Keeper of the time ran huge um, mm-hmm. to, to be able to make up quite a bit of pace into a 134 mile. It's, it's very, very good. Um, so keeper of time is one that I think is definitely interesting uh, in the future here. But yeah, I, I thought Salim Melania ran well. And I think that this kind of set up really well for the pace, the front runners. Um not too much else here. I mean, like, unless we've been through a lot of these horses. You look at Alms, you look at uh, Summering. I mean, these are just, th- this is kind of where they are. Shifty She's and Sweet Melania are better than them. Yeah. Um, I Sweet Melania, this is the third race now that Velasquez has been aboard. And it's interesting. This is a horse that at ages two and three, graded stakes winner, setting the pace. She was very fast early. And then Velasquez three back when she was at Kentucky Downs, tried that, and it didn't work. And she ended up losing. So then two back, he pulls her back and has her stock. Now, she still gets out kicked and loses. But at that point, Velasquez figures out, oh, wait, she can actually, if I get her to relax, she actually has a little bit of a kick. So we tried that again in this spot. I thought it was a brilliant ride there. Uh, as far as Shifty She, you, you brought up, Mike, that you thought she was a little too far ahead and maybe should have slowed down a little bit there. Without knowing the internal fractions, it's, it's almost impossible to ask you this. But would a, better, would a different jockey, other than Edwin Gonzalez, maybe a more experienced front-end jockey like a Saez, like a, even a Jaramillo, would that have maybe changed the outcome a little bit here? I'm going to go with no, because this is the third time he's ridden Shifty She, and she's won two of the three times going wire to wire. That's true. Um, and and he, she's won all three times, but two of the three were wire to wire. So I, I'm not going to question that part of it. I, I, I think the horse is just a little geared up I mean, it's and sometimes that happens like mm-hmm. you saw him on the front end he's trying he's putting his heels back he's trying to slow her down a little bit and she just didn't want to really slow down and so instead of fighting her he let her go which is the right thing by the way like i'd much rather you don't waste the energy yes. fighting the horse let, let the horse go and, and use the energy that way it's much a better more it's a much better use of that energy so i don't have any issue with the ride here from from gonzalez i thought he he, he rode her well and he, like i said he was three for three on her coming into this so I, i'm not going to question how he ended up doling it out i do think it hurt, hurt him though because Sweet Melania got to relax and sit two lengths behind that pace, three lengths behind that pace. Well, he was kind of shifty. She was a little bit keen. Um, I, you brought up the horse that I wanted to talk about uh, coming out of this, which was Keeper of Time for Brendan Walsh. She's a horse who was a stakes winner uh, in Ireland where she was born, and then she came overseas to Brendan Walsh and go straight into a stakes race at Saratoga. So that shows you right there the kind of confidence he had in her. She's finished third or fourth in three of her uh, four stakes races here. I think you can cross out that one at Belmont. She's been pretty impressive. This is her first start off of a bench. She'd been working very strong coming into this race. You see the bullets down here. You see how she went 47-3 and three around the dogs. Uh, very impressive. So this is a filly who all the way, also, by the way, three years old, took on older horses for the very first time in her career in this spot. Uh, watch out for her at the Pegasus World Cup filly Mary turf because I think you're going to get a solid price on her. And if there's more speed signed on that day, which there hopefully will be, uh, this is a really sneaky horse right here. 
I agree. I had this horse uh, in third, I think, in this race. I was, I want to say two, three, four. I was two, three, four, I think, were my top three. Um, so, it, yeah, this was this was awfully interesting. Or Keeper of Time was awfully interesting. I think it should take a huge step forward. Brendan Walsh, very good off the layoff like this. Very good second time out. Clearly thinks highly of the horse. You mentioned kind of the races that she was in when she came over. I, she faced Rasafara, who's a very, very good Chad Brown horse up at Saratoga. Lost the first race um, and ended up running a, a very solid third place there, too. So, I, I think I think she's got a big chance at, at taking steps forward. And, and like you said, this is late in the three-year-old season. We're going to see a more mature horse next year. I think, I think keeper of time is going to win something big at a, at a decent price. Hopefully I, I was surprised the horse got bet down from 15 to one to nine to one. Hopefully we can get closer to that 15 to one number come Pegasus day. If she does end up there. Could very well be those works. There was a lot of solid works and Brendan Walsh doesn't usually have that many solid works without that horse having a lot of talent. Uh, let's move on. Oh, by the way, Charles says in the chat, Johnny V's rising as a star at Gulfstream Park. Uh, that was the last weekend. You're going to get him at Gulfstream for a while. He's coming to Santa Anita, which starts up on Sunday. So, uh, Big day I hope, uh, what's that? Big day Sunday. Malibu Stakes Day. Yeah. Which by the way, they're drawing that card, uh, probably another couple hours here. Uh, Malibu Stakes Day. And we'll have an inside track to the Malibu Stakes wagering guide at Bill So there's my plug for it. Uh, let's <laughs> move on to race eight, uh, at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. This was the great three sugar swirl stakes kicked off the late pick four sequence that you and I tackled, uh, on last week's show. And it, Took us off right away. <laughs> you at least use Frank's Rockette defensively, uh, the even money favorite. Uh, but there was a lot of speed in here. And what impressed me, Mike, is that the good speed held on. You had Center Isle, who's now won three straight, all for Paulo Lobos and switching over. Uh, Frank's Rockette, the other speed. Uh, pretty impressive. But uh, tell me what you thought about this race. Uh, this one was pretty frustrating. I mean, just, just dead wrong here. I didn't like Center Isle at all. And, and this was a big effort from Center Isle. Career best. Uh, it ran really well. Like you mentioned, the Paul Lobo Barnes improved this horse three times out in a row now. Um, I, I was surprised that the speed held this well. I mean, even, those are the internal fractions, 21 and 3, 44 flat. Um, and, and it's not like we're going – and, and like, it, it, that's fast. And it's three wide, too, three wide the entire time. So you have a pressured pace for multiple horses. I mean, I'm sitting there, and I see Bronx Beauty sitting in the back. I'm like, yeah, baby, here we go. Let's start this yep. thing out with it. Like, and Bronx Beauty started to move, and it set up beautifully for Bronx Beauty, and Bronx Beauty just couldn't get to these top two because they didn't stop as much as you'd want. And that was the big <laughs> thing there. Like, you were expecting both of them to come back to the pack a little bit, and they kind of just kept chugging along. And, yeah, no, they weren't going. They're, they're 12 second, or I'm sorry, they're, they're uh, 11 second furlongs there that they were doing early in the race. But – they were still moving pretty good considering how fast they moved early. And it put a, a huge hole for Bronx beauty to try and run out of. Uh, one issue that I had with Bronx beauty, cause she was, we both used her in our tickets. Um, she, not that she was over six at Gulfstream cause she almost won this race last year, but this age, she's six about to be seven, right. Or five about to be six. Um, either way, she's, there's a lot of mild. Yeah. She's six about to be seven. She probably needed to knock off a race or two to knock off the rust. We haven't seen her since labor day weekend. So, um, I think that, yeah, they didn't come back to her, which is true. She also maybe kind of flattened a little bit in the stretch. Maybe she didn't quite have that kick. Um, I would be interested in using her next out, which will probably be the grade two inside information stakes. That's on the Pegasus world cup undercard. That race is seven. This was six furlongs. And the reason that's a big key for me, Mike, Frank's Rockhead, I don't want her beyond six, maybe six and a half. Um, uh, uh, the trainer famously skipped the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mare sprint with her when she was three years old. Because it was at seven and he put her against the boys because he thought she was better at six. So with that in mind, looking ahead at the inside information on January 29th, who do you want out of this race? Uh, I don't know. Because <laughs> we I could also see CeCe at that race who just won the Philly Mare Sprint. 
I'm probably letting Center Isle beat me again because Center Isle is going to go off at a shorter price. I'm probably not playing Frank's Rockat. I'm probably not playing Bronx Beauty. Honestly, I'm probably fading this race. Like if if okay if that's if it's these horses and you get a couple new shippers, I'm probably taking the new shooters here because look. I mean, Center Isle just ran a 94, which from a buyer perspective and a good time form number, like everything came back strong from this performance. I kind of want to see Center Isle do it again, which seems stupid because she's now won three in a row and she's three for three in the blah, blah, blah. But like, I didn't have any of those times. And I'm, I just, I don't believe at the price I'm going to see her at that I'm interested in playing her. I mean, it's just, it's just that simple. And Frank's Rackett, yeah, I'm, I'm, it's going to have to be a specific spot for me to play Frank's Rockette again. I thought she ran really well here, but she's not good enough. And if I'm not high in center aisle, then it's hard to be high in Frank's Rockette after that performance. I think the only time you want to play Frank's Rockette is when she takes a pretty good size class drop um, and faces a lot weaker. But then at that point, I mean, she's even money in this race. She's sub even money. And then she's not playable because you're like, well, I don't know. She's not as good as she used to be. So um, kind of a, Damned if you do, damned if you don't with Frank's Rockette, which is unfortunate. But I agree with Dennis, too. I think she's I think she's just not the same she was at age three. The next race uh, in the pick four, we were both all over. And honestly, I should have just singled this horse because I loved him. The number six, Fearless, uh, goes with a four-length victory here uh, to win the grade three Harlan's Holiday Mile in the 16th prep for the Mile in the 8th Pegasus World Cup. And boy, if you're Todd Pletcher, you got him coming and going in the Pegasus now. You've got Life is Good on the front end, and then you've got Fearless who's going to be sitting right behind him and Nick's go just going – Somebody quit. Somebody quit on me because I am going to eat you up with Luis Saez. Uh, I thought this was about as perfect as it could have been considering the horse was was stuck pretty wide and, and kept clear. Uh, textbook effort here. What do you think? Solid effort. I mean, I, like, didn't beat that much here, so let's not get too excited. I mean, Mighty Heart, who was your second choice, we talked about this. Neither of us used this horse or had any interest in using this horse. Um, not just because of uh, the speed situation where you knew that the, the one and the two here were going to kind of go eyeball to eyeball, but also the, the lack of success on his traditional dirt track. So uh, Fearless didn't beat much here. Let's make sure that we, we, we put that out right away. But very professional. You can only beat who you're racing against. The horse looked good, took a nice step forward off the last effort. The buyer came back strong. Time came back good. Like there's a lot of positives out of here. And I agree with you. It's all systems go. Most likely going to see this horse in the Pegasus. And it's going to have a ton of pace to run into. Um. Did you see this? I'm yeah, glad Dennis said something because I, I said it on Twitter. And nobody said anything, and I thought I was blind. But if you watch the head-on in the stretch just as they pass the wire, watch Paco on Blue Steel. The dog comes running on the track, and Paco starts freaking out all over the place, which is <laughs> as he should. Yeah. Um, I can't be can't believe no, I was the only person I saw talking about that. Um, I'll give you a tip of the cap. Um, Again, I should have singled Fearless. I used Blue Steel because I was like, well, what if Mighty Hearts? That was a stupid – That was, and I think I knew as I was saying it that was a stupid thing to say. Um, but South Bend, you said keep fading this horse on two turns. And he is now one for 15 routing in his lifetime. <laughs> one for 15, Mike. But he's got his other four wins are at one turn. I think this horse should cut back for the grade three Fred Hooper, which is a one-turn mile, and two of his other four wins were at Churchill going a one-turn mile. I think that is the race you need to send this horse to. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised they haven't figured that out yet. Like, you got a ton of one-turn miles that you can run in. You got Belmont, you've got Churchill, you've got Gulfstream. Like, there's Cigar a lot of places. Mile. A lot of places you can go one-turn mile and be a really successful horse. Uh, maybe we should try that. Just throwing it out there. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe there wasn't a race that was going to work out. It looks like the Cigar Mile might have been a, too quick of a turnaround for him. Um, maybe the literally. Maybe Bill Mott was like, "I got to burn one. I <laughs> just got to burn one to get through here." Um, should we but pour one out. Should we pour one out for Eye of the Jedi? 
Yeah, I don't know what happened to him. Like, I was looking to see if he actually, like, if he survived the race or not because he got pulled up in the turn. So I don't know if he, uh, if he actually survived. I looked on Twitter. There's still no news there. Uh, Yeah, I I saw that he was, he walked off is what I saw. The last thing I saw. And so that was at least a positive there. Um, And yeah, uh, I don't think I'm going to be playing I Have a Jedi again. Just throwing (laughs) it out there. I may not use him again. (laughs) No, but I understand in in the circumstances, I get why you were using him. It's a horse that you've used to success before. Well, also the, like the cap was right. I the one of the two are going to burn each other. The three closers on the outside are the three that you care about. South Bend isn't winning, so I'm going to use the other two. Like, <laughs> right? That, it, was I mean, a smart, I, it was a smart move. I probably could have just singled, like you said, fearless. I mean that, and I, I think on the Sambons, I singled him in the pick five. Um, but like that was probably the most likely single there if you want to look for it in the sequence. Uh, the next race was a Grade Two Fort Lauderdale Stakes. This is the local prep for the Pegasus World Cup Turf and. A lot of us on the Racing Dudes team, I think actually all four of us, were like, oh, you could easily, someone's going to go get, get to wire here. When we were right, we picked the wrong goddamn horse. We all thought it was going to be Analyze It, uh, who didn't get the lead, and because of that, finished second to last. It's actually Doswell from the rail, uh, a horse who was second in this race last year. Um, I didn't see this coming. Did not see this coming at all. Did you? <clears throat> I had him uh, in the pick five, uh, and it ended up going five deep here. It had the, the one and the 11, so I was happy about that, but like, no, I didn't expect Doswell to, to go wire to wire. I thought if Doswell won, it was because you're sitting right off the pace. This is a really interesting jockeys race. If you watch that first stretch run, like it's just really interesting to see how it kind of plays out because Saez on English B creates a huge problem for Analyze It and Hernandez. Mm-hmm. And, and so Doswell's on the rail taking the lead. Saez decides to send English B up, which English B usually not that close, was actually sitting in second for a lot of that first run. Analyze It's forced three wide. And then Saez kind of just tucks back and gets the gets in the catbird seat right there and analyzes now hung too wide after coming in at the other turn and has to decide do i press do i not press what do i do and it's just an awful awful trip so sai has caused a lot of trouble uh for analyze it on english b there <laughs> and i mean i honestly i was i thought i had a shot with english b turning for home i it looked like that horse had something left there 21 to 1 uh but ended up in third there i this is just one of those where you kind of wonder you know, whoever got the lead, were they going to win this race? And, and the, the middle fraction slowed down quite a bit for, after that early scramble for the lead. And, and Doswell ran really well. He did. He ran really well. Uh, I don't want to take anything away from it. I thought what you said about English B, I got so pissed when I saw what Desaez was doing to uh, to analyze it. My pick four ticket was already blown from the first start. But I, when I saw it, I was like, come on, you motherfucker. Like, I knew exactly what he was doing, and you described it perfectly. I, I mean, this is what he should do. He rode to try and win, and he took out the uh, – one of the pace horses there pretty wisely. Um, horse that I really want out of this race was my second choice in here. And God damn it, Dennis, I cannot believe you made this mistake. Dennis says he bet two maker horses in here to win place and show. And he didn't use the one that I liked the best, which was a tone at, at 17 to one who I thought uh, about halfway home. I thought he might win that race, Mike. Uh, very impressive. The reason I like him and want him moving forward is because you had a gate to wire winner. You had a second place horse who got stuck wide, but finishes 11th third place horse, literally runs in third the whole way around this is the only horse who's really gaining on the leader i really like to tone here what did you think i agree i mean space traveler i think is interesting out of this too because the post and the trip mm-hmm. were, were both brutal um and but a tone was coming out of the 11 hole space travel was coming out of the 12 so you, you gotta say the same thing for him i thought if you're saying who ran the best races i think the 11 and 12 were probably the two best horses in this race on this day um they ended up finishing here second and fourth because of the post position and the pace bias um so I, I would agree with you. I think a tone out of this is interesting. I think space travel, if you can get a better price out of this, is interesting. Not sure what happened to La Imperator. Like I, That was the one where it was just like I, I expected a much better effort. 
Uh, well, uh, so uh, he was the last one that I used in this race, and I said, well, he, did he wake up last time out because he used Lasix? Uh, he's now 0 for 3 in the U.S. without Lasix, or was it because he took the blinkers off? I don't know. I, I don't know if it was the blinkers that necessarily helped him last out. This was a pretty – if you can't beat this field, this is no longer a Chad Brown turf horse. I feel like this horse should – like this is the horse Chad gives up on. Um, now watch. He's going to treat him like Rock Emperor and keep throwing him in all the goddamn grade ones and win one of these. But <laughs> well, Maybe it's maybe it's Gulfstream's turf course too. I mean, you know Chad Brown had issues with Gulfstream's turf course last year, and so I wouldn't be shocked if we see some of – and last year's better horses were at Tampa. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where where his best horses end up. Let's talk about, just real quick, it wasn't a stakes race, but the last leg of the pick four sequence, just because we did cover it. Um, and we can you know, talk about what we learned out of this race. I learned that the five misbehaved is officially never play again for Todd Pletcher. Um, <laughs> continues to burn money. My God, what a terrible, just, this is just not a very good horse, I don't think. Uh, watch this horse show up at Tampa next. Wake Surf gets the job done. Ridley's major was the Chad Brown horse, trying to be the first gun runner to win on turf. Boy, if this horse can't do it, I don't know if anybody can. Uh, Imoka Lee was a horse that you liked as well. Got shuffled back early along the rail, but I thought it had a pretty impressive overall effort. Yeah, I probably want Imoka Lee back, um, especially against the maiden field next time out. I, I think that's one, one that's going to be interesting. We both used the three south of summer here. I mean, this was a frustrating one. I, I ended up betting the horse to win at 25 to 1. You and we watched, the re we watched the replay right before it. And Matt just like, hey, he might, he's got like, uh, he can hold on here. It was it, the entire race, the three was right there, just hit a wall, just an absolute wall that last 16th of a mile. So, um, I, I, you know, I thought the three run well. I, I have no real interest in Ridley's major moving forward. You're going to get a shorter and shorter price on this horse every time now. And so to me, that this is now a fade horse. And yeah, Amokley, I think, is the one that you want next out because that, that horse got a terrible trip and came storming home and just didn't, just ran out of time. So Wake Surf gets the job done and and was a horse who debuted routing on turf, which is usually something we look at because the horse went to dirt next out, and now we're back on turf. Uh, I don't know that there was anything about this horse that I really loved uh, that stood out that made me want to bet him, uh, other than the fact this race was you know, kind of a cluster. We weren't very excited about the horses that were in this, even the favorite. We're talking about the Gunrunner horse. So um, do Wake Surf, were you that, that surprised? Do you want to play this horse next out? I wasn't shocked. I mean, the thing with Wake Surf, and, and when you're a golf stream and you're looking at Maidens, you know it looked like Wake Surf would get the lead. Now, it ended up that that the horse that we were using, we were projecting to have pace, had pace, and was able to actually outrun uh, Wake Surf early. But they they went they went fast. They went 22 and four, and Wake Surf was a head back at that point. I mean, so they were both right there on a, on a contested early pace. And, and look, speed on the turf is dangerous at golf stream. Um, so anytime you see a horse like this, and if you, you go and you look at the time form numbers, it's a clear pace advantage. If you don't project the three to be have a ton of speed, then you knew the two was going to be on the lead, and then the two becomes becomes usable. I think that's why you saw two horse wake surf get bet down from twelve to one morning line to off odds at eight to one. That's going to do it for this episode of the Magic Mike Show. Thanks for joining Mike and I to go through the weekend action from uh, Remington Park. We had a Kentucky Derby Trail and then, of course, uh, Gulfstream Park with the Pegasus World Cup preps. Uh, this was a big key for us, for at least for me. I can't speak for Mike. I don't remember. But for playing the Pegasus in 2021 was looking back at this podcast. It, it, so make sure that you bookmark this. When we get, you know, we're about five, six weeks away still. So bookmark this show. Come back to it because when we talk about those races on that card, you'll want to remember, oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, keeper of the time. That was, a, you know, that was a horse that was actually showed some pretty good effort there a tone maybe that's a horse we like or doswell was gate to wire can we do it do you think we'll do it again so all that to say just keep us in mind when we uh, get back to pegasus we also have the malibu stakes which is drawing today that's december 26th sunday at santa anita 
Um, we will have a full race previews at racingdudes.com and at youtube.com slash racingdudes for that race. Uh, I'm sure Mike and I are going to be doing the late pick four sequence for the Malibu card, so we don't even have to talk about that here. But the wagering guide will also be available, uh, so go to racingdudes.com and check things out. Uh, Mike, anything else on horse racing you want to touch on, or should we uh, go off and switch for the uh, for football? Well, let's let's move on. We only got 50 minutes till the first kickoff. Oh, shoot. That's right. All right. Old Dominion and Tulsa, man. Can't miss it. Must watch. Old Dominion and Tulsa. Uh, Chris says, you fellas taking off for Christmas or doing the Malibu. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely be doing the Malibu. Oh, I must have said that. Uh, that they're delayed. I think Chris t- typed that right before uh, I sent it or said something. Um, anyways, racingnews.com slash sports. The uh, dudes who bet sports will be doing a uh, <laughs> discussion about conference coaching hires. Uh, there's going to be a lot of fun talking about that. Plus, you have, of course, a couple of different games going on today, tomorrow, all throughout. This is bowl season. So things are going crazy. Minnesota, Chicago is the Monday night football game. And uh, Chicago was a six and a half point underdog. I did, so I was looking at it. It, it looks, I was like, how are they favored? No, they're the underdog. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I would take Chicago. Look, I, I, I want anytime minute, whoever is getting points in a Minnesota game, you take that team. If the Vikings are getting points, you take the Vikings. If the Vikings are giving or not are giving points, you take the other team. It's just you don't want Kirk Cousins to be the the, the reason that you need to cover. And and like the Vikings have just they, they just put in efforts that you just you scratch your head and the coaching is terrible. And it's just it's just wildly frustrating that the way that they play. They have so much talent on that team and they just can't get it right. And it's been that way for three years now, it feels like. And just they never live up to the potential of what they have. So yeah, I'll, I'll take the Bears and the points in this spot. But they beat, or they lost to the team that that beat one of the best teams in the league. So therefore, shouldn't they be actually yeah. kind of good? Maybe. <laughs> Is that how that works? <laughs> I mean, this look. This should be just one of those where I would I would probably take the under. I would probably take the Bears. Just move along and and don't watch the game. Don't do it to yourself. Watch uh, the watch the Raiders Cleveland game. That game will be more interesting. That's also to, uh, Tuesday. That got moved to Tuesday as well. What? Didn't I, it? I thought it did. I thought no, both. Yeah, that's, both. That's tonight. That's early. That's uh. That's yeah. That's tonight, dude. Oh well, you know what? I'm gonna blame Chris then, because in the chat he was complaining because he said, or I'm sorry, not Chris. Sorry, Chris. Uh, Jason. He said both games start at the same time. <laughs> we got no. That's Tuesday night, but there's two Tuesday night games too. We got Seahawks, Rams, and Washington against Eagles on Tuesday. Oh, Washington Eagles! I didn't know was playing. Yeah. Hey, listen. This is why Magic Six to horse racing, and why when it's football talk, we just let the adult. The adults speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a glorious day. We have a two thirty kickoff. We have a five o'clock kickoff. We got a seven fifteen kickoff. What more could you want? I love it. Well, <laughs> I would I would want the uh, the NHL to not be postponing all their games again. But you oh know. man, that is brutal. I, Red Wings are off until January first. You got You got to respect the NFL, right? They're they're changing policy. We're only going to test people who have symptoms now, so we don't know if everyone has COVID. <laughs> I mean, the NHL, uh, shit, Steve Eiserman was talking about that, and he kind of referenced, he's like, that's kind of something like it's been brought up is why don't we just test the ones that are showing symptoms because everybody's <laughs> asymptomatic and they're all, they're all healthy athletes, so they're the ones that are probably going to show the least amount of symptoms, right? I don't yeah. know. I'm not an expert, but anyways, uh, the point is play football, have fun, play the horses, have more fun, and go to racenews.com if you want the free winners. That is... That's all I'm going to say about that. That's, that's your bit. So, yeah, <laughs> give me the Browns. Give me the Bears. Let's take the points of both those games. Uh, I haven't done – I haven't I haven't played the, the college game yet, but I, I'm sure I'll have a she- couple shekels on it by the time it starts. I want to talk about this real quick. I love the synthetic track on Gulfstream. I think it's really beatable. 
you're getting prices on horses that that you shouldn't be getting. And I, I've been able to single a couple horses over the weekend on the synthetic that I, I thought were pretty easy winners. And and you just people aren't getting to them for right now. I don't know if it's because they're not putting in the work or they're not like. But you can you can pretty consistently fade speed still and look for that solid second, third, fourth horse that, that's able to make a move around the turn and get up. And, and by able to do it, if, by being able to do that consistently on the synthetic course, you're able to get to winners fairly easily. Like I, I've found it. I would say it's less challenging than the dirt to me right now, the synthetic course. I mean, the, the dirt can play to speed or it can play to closers. They've got some some funky horses in there. Like right now, I think the synth is, is easier to, to handicap than the dirt to Gulfstream. Um, I do share our Stephanie's sentiment. Is I get I see synthetic pop up and I'm like, like I'll do it for the show. Would I willingly play that like an, an individual race by race basis? Probably not. But that's also me. Mike is someone who puts in the work. He watches Gulfstream all the time. Literally, like we'll start a show and Mike's like, hang on. Okay, now we can go. So like, it, and I understand that you're, you know, different spots, different strokes for different folks. But hey, that's what's great about racenews.com. You got people like me that are like, yeah, I don't really want to do it. Mike's like, oh, synthetic, let's play it. Mike is also the king of Golden Gate, so you understand why that happens. Well, the, the, it's one of the beauties of horse racing. Like, look, you're not happy with the race? Don't worry. There's another one in literally two minutes. Actually, yep. there's one that probably starts at the exact same time somewhere. So you can like, it, it, the, the amazing thing is, if you don't want to play it, you don't have to play it. That's the beauty. Like, there'll always be races tomorrow. There'll all be, always be a race later in the day. Like it's 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 one of those we can kind of go one and the other. And it's interesting that people consistently are hating on the Gulfstream synthetic. I'm glad Dennis brought this up, but but Turfway is just the best thing ever because people love Turfway. It just it cracks me up. All the people and I'm not I'm not going to name names, but all the people in Kentucky who talk endless shit on Twitter about Gulfstream Park synthetic and then post their Turfway tickets. I'm like, dude, come on! Like you 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 have an advantage in my mind over someone like me. If you're a Woodbine player, you're a Turfway player. You have an advantage over me at Gulfstream Park right now because I have to look up every single sire's synthetic numbers when I'm handicapping a race. Every single one. Whereas you should have a pretty good idea by now of who's good and who's not good over that surface. Anyway. Does, does, does any of those people's names ride, rhyme with Schmedge Morosa? Uh, I, I, maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> one. Of, it's like it's not one person. It's like 15 people that all just decided that the Gulfstream Park synthetic is off. A lot of it is because you aren't seeing as much turf racing, and I get that. But you know what? We also rained off the turf for the first time all meet, and we had nine or ten horses in every single race. That makes a huge difference, a huge difference. And because we're not running five races a day on the turf, we're running two on the turf and three on the synthetic, guess what's going to happen to that turf course in January? It's not going to be a dirt course, which everyone complains about. So all the people that are complaining about the dirt are also complaining about the synthetic it's like hey guys we can't have everything we, you got to pick your poison here and like in this case i think they actually did a pretty good job i i guess i just missed the memo that was sent out like a year ago where suddenly everybody's supposed to suck turfway's dick when did that happen like i, I didn't understand like turfway i understand it's what's in kentucky in the winter time but i don't get the mass appeal it's synthetic see, racing all the time. Like, if that's what you like, great. But everybody's like, oh, my God, Turfway. Why? I get it. I do. I do. Because it's the same reason why we're like, oh, my God, it's Kentucky Downs. Turfway gets monster fields. They get, okay. like, it, it, like it, it's competitive races. It's it. They have, like, look, it seems like either at Turfway, there's a pick five carryover or you're playing on the, like, or someone hits it. Like, it, that's a bad example because obviously it's one or the other. But it seems like day A, there's a pick five carryover. Day B, someone hits it. Day A, there's a pick five. It just goes back and forth because it's that tough of a sequence. And, like, I mean, I cracked, the, cracked open the PPs for the pick five carryover, I think it was on Saturday. 
Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope, not even going to try. It's just I, like, it's that tough of a sequence to try and get through. If you don't have any opinion, I'm like four or five deep in every race. I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to bet this one. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I think Turfway has a lot of, uh, yeah, seriously, we need, we need Arlington back. Come on guys. Talking about that's but, synthetic, by the way, guys, Arlington, just throw yeah. it out there, but it's big fields. It's fun. So I, I don't, I don't hate on Turfway. I just think it's funny that people actively promote Turfway while hating on Gulfstream synthetic. That's all. If you've uh, if you're planning on playing uh, or watching Monday Night Football tonight, make sure you check out YouTube at Sports going live at YouTube.com/slash/RacingDudes at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. Aaron and Papa Dude will lead you right into Monday Night Football with I guarantee you the best pregame show you can find uh, anywhere around. Those guys are a lot of fun. Dennis says you've never been to a dollar date night at Turfway. Dollar beer, dollar dogs, dollar nachos, dollar programs. Wow. Yeah, how long ago was that, Dennis? <laughs> I don't think Churchill. I don't think CDI would let anything go for a dollar. Yeah. Oh. oh, well, anyways, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Curtis Kellard. He is at Summerbomb18, number one, number eight. Corporate Overlords at Racing underscore Dudes. We'll be back on Thursday to tackle the Malibu Stakes wagering guy. Sorry, Malibu Stakes card at Santa Anita. Go to inside. God, I can't do this. Go to RacingDudes.com <laughs> for the inside track for to the wagering, <laughs> inside track to the Malibu Stakes wagering guide. I think my brain knows how much work I'm going to have to do today because of the Malibu coming out. So mm. it's already, it's already quit. It's already said, nope, we're not doing it today. That's a great sign going into it. Uh, but thank you so much for watching. Until next time, I'm Magic. And I'm Mike. Good luck this week. The Magic Mike Show. Where you hear the experts speak. The Magic Mike Show. Tune into the show every week. The Magic Mike Show. You can trust the show is the bomb because it's being brought to you by RacingDudes.com. Death, taxes, and Magic Mike on Monday.